Hello, Really True Fiction listeners. I want to let you know that episodes of The Liberal Soul will stop appearing on the Really True Fiction feed at the end of the summer. If you are enjoying The Liberal Soul, please subscribe to it on whatever app you use to get your podcasts so that you can continue to get notified of new episodes starting in September. Have a great day, and may the force be with you. The Liberal Soul is a podcast where I talk to people about their passions and their interests. I'll relay some of my own, as well as discuss works and thinkers important to the history of liberal philosophy. The Liberal Soul is meant to represent the people who are curious about the world and live to see themselves and others flourish within it. Please be aware that this podcast has some crude language and sometimes some bad words, but so it goes. Welcome back to The Liberal Soul. My name is Luke Mason. I'm really excited for today's episode because this is the first conversation I've had with a couple guests on a topic that I actually personally know very little about. Not that I'm an expert in the musical talk that I've had previously with other guests or even in the books we've talked about before, but today I have on the podcast a couple buddies from back in uh, high school, Russ Fountain and Eric Wan, and the two of them educate me on mountain biking. The two of them are avid mountain bikers, and they've been doing it for a very long time, as you'll hear in the episode. It's definitely something that they both love, and there's a big community of it in Nelson, where I live. And talking about mountain biking was something I knew that I wanted to do pretty early on in this podcast, because I knew I had some people here that I could chat to that were quite well versed in it. And so it was a real pleasure to have them on the show. And it was really fun to just kind of like reconnect with them a little bit in a way that it's a little harder to do because I don't personally mountain bike, but because I'm really interested and a big part of this show is discovering what other people are passionate about and what expands their liberal soul, I wanted to talk to them about this. And so you'll learn their earliest memories about mountain biking or what drew it, what drew them to it, a little bit about the community here and the kind of community you get from mountain biking, some of the X's and O's of trail building and what goes into that, and a really cool story about how the two of them and a few other people got to go to Germany to do some trail building because of some of the expertise that they were able to bring to that as well as uh, kind of like their relationship with their bikes, what it's like to be out in nature, and just the passion and the feeling that they have for it. If the audio of this sounds a little bit like it's far away, I recorded this in my kitchen and I might not do that much anymore because it definitely feels a little bit more hollow, but listening to it is not too bad. I just wanted to let you know if that's what you're wondering. No more recording in your own kitchen, Luke. Come on. (laughs) This is serious stuff. So, just before we begin, I want to thank everyone who listens to this podcast. It means a lot to me. If you want to get a hold of me, you can send me an email at theliberalsoul87 at gmail.com. You can find the Facebook group, The Liberal Soul, and like it, and then you'll be notified because I post new when I release new episodes there as well. And there's a Twitter, at liberalsoul87, if you want to follow it. I also will post new episodes there, if that's your social media of choice. And I'm available on all the podcasting apps, as far as I know. 
If you listen on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate a rating or a review and an honest one. doesn't have to be five stars. If you think I'm boring or the sound quality is bad, that feedback is totally fine too. But if you are enjoying the show, I'd really appreciate it as it's a really good way to help new people find the podcast. So with no more waiting as we as we head downhill, I'm really, really excited to be able to present to you on the liberal soul, Russ Fountain and Eric Wan. And welcome to the liberal soul. I'm here today with some old friends, not elderly, just um, high school, I guess. So that's old now for us, Eric Wan and Russ Fountain. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing good. A little sleepy, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all good. Yeah, it's hot, eh? It's like, and it's a weird kind of hot that mm-hmm. it's like this smoke from the fire. So I went on a run today at noon because like, oh, it's not that hot out. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's so hot out. What was I thinking? It's kind of a sleeper heat because it's like shaded from the smoke, but it's brutal all the same. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, sweltering. Yeah, it's unpleasant for sure. How about you, Russ? Yeah, doing good. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast here. I've, I've definitely listened to you a lot on your on your last one, Really True Friction. And, oh. and uh, yeah. You know to... what? You're the first Nelsonite slash non like person directly involved in Really True Fiction to give me a shout out on that. Or like non-family <laughs> member. Nice. This is like a milestone for me. Every other person I've ever talked to who's mentioned really true fiction has either been a family member or someone i actually also podcast with (laughs) (laughs) so thanks russ (laughs) so in doing my diligence for today's podcast i listened to maybe 10 minutes of your last episode of liberal soul so i don't even know what really true fiction is or you mentioned it the other night but i haven't heard that so i'm sorry that was i apologize that was my first podcast got it this is the second one got it yeah this okay (laughs) this is gonna be you know, the dozen people who listen to this podcast now probably already know this, but I do really true fiction with my cousin David. But thanks, Russ. <laughs> it's really what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I knew both these guys in high school. Uh, I mean, I think I actually knew both of you before. I don't know. Do you remember how we met, Russ? I don't remember exactly, but I, I think it had to be high school that I met mm. you. Um, That's a good guess. But yeah. actually... I met when we were nine. We were on the same baseball team. Yeah, I was going to say either hockey or baseball probably, yeah. And I don't know if you remember, but we were so terrible. Oh, I remember. We were like, (laughs) at that time, they they probably still do, they had the mercy rule. Oh, yeah. Right? And so we would get mercyed every inning. It was like eight runs. Six six runs in an inning. Six runs in an inning, and then you switch. But we were nine, so kids couldn't hit it out of the infield. But they hit it every time and just got on base all the time. But I was always in the goddamn outfield. Ball never comes to me. I'm sitting out there for half an hour. We go in three up, three down, back out to the outfield. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. play soccer. We were bad. Yeah. But that was like a, a while until I hung out with you more after that. And then, Eric, I'm sure it was uh, Lions Park. Lions Park, for sure. Well, my parents' house is three blocks away from, from where you grew up. And, yeah. And, uh, we were always hanging out at the park. You're you're older than me, so you're always kicking my ass at soccer. Uh, that yeah, wasn't because I was older than you. Generally, well, and more skilled, <laughs> and more skilled at soccer. But yeah, ge- generally just being punks at the park. And I remember yeah. there being fights and all sorts of shenanigans, lots of sports. At a certain point, we got into all sorts of trouble. 
Yeah, and the park's so different now, hey? It feels it is, yeah. like because the trees got cut down, those huge... Uh, what kind of trees are those? I don't know. They're tall. There's still Big some ones. of them. Yeah. Big cottonwoods or something. And then they like put... They made like a really actual baseball field. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and the soccer <laughs> nets are gone. So yeah. it's like... I don't know. And kids are, kids are on their phones and shit these days, so they're not mm. necessarily just loitering in a park being bad. Yeah. They're like, bring a skateboard to make a video. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Both... Eric and Russ are quite accomplished mountain bikers. Am I pronouncing that right? Mountain bikers? Yeah, I think I think you got it. Yeah, you know <laughs> yeah it. I got it. And this is a first on the liberal soul because all of the other times I've had a guest on or guests, we've been talking about something I already know really well. So I talked to my cousin Zach about punk music and I talked to my friends Billy and Alex about Star Wars. But you two are a crowning achievement now for this podcast because it's the first time I've had guests on to talk about a subject that I am very amateur and not well-versed at all. <laughs> so I'm kind of excited about that because I feel like I might be learning. So maybe just give an overview because like most listeners won't know, Nelson is a kind of a unique place in that it just feels like there's a really strong mountain biking community in this town or this area, right? So I don't know. I was wondering you want to give like some context on yeah the um, mountain biking world here yeah it, nelson was one of the few places well mountain biking really started here and the north shore of vancouver Kamloops, kind of all at the same time there's been a couple of good documentaries about it um in the last few years kind of the origins of mountain biking but yeah it was definitely a different sport then than it is now but it started out as like people trying to ride their bikes down the steepest hills they could and down the <laughs> loosest gnarliest stuff they could and building stunts in the woods and all that kind of stuff that was yeah i don't know 30 years ago mm. they were starting to do that kind of thing yeah it was kind of the first one of the f pioneering towns you could say that like for free ride mountain biking like there's all sorts of cross country and and other stuff that happened down in california and stuff but like at a certain point people started to want to do jumps and ride on ramps and and ride down rock faces and stuff and Nelson was kind of at the forefront of that for a variety of reasons, partially because of the terrain and the town and then some really dedicated trail builders who were here. But then also there were mountain bike media production companies in town that put out all the crazy videos. And so like you got these generations of younger riders coming up, okay. watching the watching all the pros uh, like day to day in front of them kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. And, and some pros from here too on the, in the early days, because there was some some crazy yahoos who were willing to willing to send it. <laughs> so totally stupid question just occurred to me. And it's stupid because I'm sure the answer is in the name, but like what makes mountain biking different from other kinds of biking? <laughs> other than you just go down a hill? It's that, I, I feel like it can't, maybe that's all it is, but. Yeah, like off-road and you're on a mountain usually like there's it's hard it's almost hard to describe because there's so many different kinds of mountain biking too so mm. once we break that down you can break it break it down so much further right and what me and juan do is like it's a pretty narrow band of of the spectrum okay. of mountain biking so yeah I'd, I'd say mountain biking as long as you're off road and you're either on the mountains or, or going downhill I'd, I'd call that mountain biking but then you also have cross country you're going uphill and, and across so mm. Yeah, I, it's hard to pin it. I down. don't know. And then there, there's a new one, gravel biking, which is kind of sweeping the nation right now. It's a big trend. Really? You just It's just like riding on gravel paths or roads or whatever. So like that's how mountain biking started was like 
riding on gravel roads, bombing around in California and Marin County. Okay. But like, like that's not at all. Yeah. And that's not at all what we do. Like, or what even most mountain bikers would consider mountain biking anymore. Like they're talking like highly specialized, fancy bikes riding on single track trails and whether that's cross country, which is like what you see in the Olympics, like all like up and down and technical terrain or downhill racing where you strictly race downhill or free riding where you're hitting big jumps and doing backflips and stuff like it's it's pretty pretty diverse basically if the bike has suspension or maybe even not but you're riding it in not traditional terrain in the wilderness then you could call it mountain bike yeah it almost seems like it's a genre of bike yeah right like this is a mountain bike as opposed to a road bike or a what else what kind of bike is there? Like a, well, now, yeah, now there's a gravel bike. There's, right. yeah. Cyclocross bike, a BMX bike. A, when I was a kid, my yeah. dad had like a Norco, like an orange Norco frame bike that had no suspension, but it wasn't a road bike. Like it didn't have, it was, a, probably, it was like probably an a old school bike. mountain bike. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. That's, so like, that's why the first people yeah. had such hard asses. Norco is sick. Yeah, no, yeah. it was. I mean, they had lots cool. of good old bikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, I feel so. One of the big goals of this podcast is to like tap into these things that we do in our free time that we love and like talk about them a bit. And I, for me, I've talked several times on this podcast already of like some of my earliest memories around music because music is kind of like for the purpose of this episode music is like my mountain biking right like it's what i spend so much of my time not as not as much as now but like certainly in my teens and 20s like all about music and so i've shared a lot of my experiences of first time i was around music so that makes me curious like what are your earliest memory or memories of mountain biking and what were what was it about those memories that inclined you to continue being interested in the sport yeah, I, I remember the first time I even saw what mountain biking was uh, in junior high, grade seven, mm. in the lunchroom, and someone put in a VHS tape of Crank 3, which was like the, <laughs> the big new mountain bike movie. Right, I remember Cranked, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly, and I saw oh, that, yeah. and I like I could not believe it. I was like, holy shit, this is cool. The free ride downhill aspect, and then, but I was really interested in the trial stuff, like the guys mm. hopping on their back tire and jumping off roofs and right. hopping on handrails and, and stuff like that. And I was just like, "Holy, I I gotta do this! I gotta learn how to do a wheelie on my bike." Because okay. I, I also had a one of those old Norcos with no right. suspension. And like, did you go try and do that I, stuff imme- the next day? Immediately, like that day? Yeah. yeah. How'd yeah. that go? Not good. <laughs> no, not good at all. But yeah, just kept trying and trying, and all of a sudden, oh, I could do a wheelie, and then tried oh, i need to know how to bunny hop and then i right. tried and tried that and smashed my shins up and finally got that and it was just like one thing after another and i was like oh i, I need to get a real mountain bike here maybe i need to couple this question with your memory of your first wipeout uh, i don't remember my first one i think there was a lot doing the wheelies and the bunny hops but i once i had the bunny hops i remember a bad one where it was just me and my buddy out at nine mile there out in the boonies and just learned how to bunny hop and I thought I could bunny hop off the road and over this big rock that was in the ground mm. and I pedaled into it way too fast didn't hop enough clipped the back wheel over the handlebars onto my head and I do remember knocking myself out I can't remember if he said I was out for a long time but I like I have a memory of being concussed oh, no. and I like immediately went home passed out for a while it was it was not good my brother said I was talking gibberish to him and 
couldn't didn't even make sense. So so that was a bad. So one. the spur's a little dangerous. Can be, yeah. If <laughs> if you're reckless and you don't know what you're doing, definitely. Ah, okay. Reckless or even if you're even if you're not, or it's yeah. dangerous. <laughs> so yeah, we've l- learned how to manage risk a bit since then. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. How about you, Eric? Earliest memories of mountain biking. Well, I probably got into it a little earlier than Russ did, and that's strictly just because of like my friends had older brothers and they were i I was probably classic eight or nine and the older brothers were probably like 14 or 15 or something and it was kind of like an exciting time of mountain biking every like those movies were coming out like the earliest kind of free ride movies were coming out and there was quite the little riding culture at nelson that was kind of blossoming at the time young teenagers were 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 jumping bikes and i so i saw these these older brothers uh, of my friends and they were jumping bikes and, 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 uh, doing all this cool stuff, doing wheelies and endos. That's where you stand the bike on the front wheel. Okay. Doing all this cool stuff. And so I sort of got into it just cause like you want to emulate the older kids that, that, you know, um, well, all the older kids in Nelson teased me until I was like 16 and then it was just people my age and younger teasing me, but I understand, <laughs> your, I understand your point. Yeah. I was homeschooled. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All good. No, um, also, like, I, there was a, a, a professional rider. Well, he wasn't professional at the time, but Mike Kinrad, he grew up just a few mm. blocks from here. Well, you, a, you know Brian, like his younger yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, Russ and I gratted with Brian. And yeah. actually, just on that note, their middle brother, Jeff, yeah. uh, is a really good hockey player. Yeah. Played one game in the NHL and, like, I think in the Swiss League or the Swedish Elite League. So pretty talented family and because and, mike was a professional he was a professional biker, right? rider so i remember in my parents driveway looking across the street and there was mike kinrad he was probably 17 years old he had no helmet on he was on a k2 beast which is like this relic full suspension bike and he was jumping this set of stairs probably like a 10 set of stairs right concrete to concrete like completely to flat wow and uh i just thought it was the coolest thing right there he was like bandana no helmet 17 year old kid like hucking his bike and and i was like that's the coolest thing that's what you want to do yeah and then he jumped off that roof right across from your parents house yeah he did jump off the gordon sergeant roof too insane oh he did Mm -hmm. onto that tiny little grass hill i don't think that one went that well either no i broke my arm on that playground but that's again a different (laughs) it's a dangerous place (laughs) yeah it was That's crazy. I mean, it sounds like in the tone of your voice explaining this, you didn't have to sit around deliberating whether you liked this or not, right? No, like no you just, it was pretty. It's like you. It's not like Russ. You watched that video, went home, like okay, pros and cons list. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, it was what do you think on. it was though? Then that like caught you. Like, was it the tricks? Was it the speed? Was it? It was risk. It was the tricks for me. And I think it was the fact that like I grew out, I didn't grow up in town. I was out nine miles. So I had like Mm. one other friend and we had not a whole lot to do out there, but we both had bikes and we could both practice doing all these tricks that we were seeing in the movies. So we just, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's all we did. And then eventually like we'd start coming into town and doing our urban like street trials, riding and stuff, trying to hop up on picnic tables and whatever we could find in town. And then it, Mm. Yeah, it just evolved from there. But it, yeah, for me, it was definitely started out trying to do those tricks that I was seeing people do. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of, I saw the the riding that was kind of happening in the neighborhood from the neighborhood kids and, and uh, then, then got my hands on some of those early movies. Yeah. And would just watch, like, I'd watch the crank movies like 40 times, 50 times kind of thing. 
Um, and Rent them from Rio's videos yeah, and just watch them over and over again. Yeah, and then steal some boards from the, the, the back alley by my parents' house and set up little ladder bridges and ramps and stuff in the front yard. Or And uh, yeah, I was just taken by it for sure. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. So fast forward to now, like both of you have alluded to the fact that like there's different kinds of mountain biking. What kind of mountain biking do you do? And where do you do it? And how do you do it? And I don't know. Anything, any contemporary things you can tell you about what you do now? Um, yeah, if we had to like break it down into a category, mm. downhill is probably like the most broad and like that's probably the most solid category you could break it into. Yeah. Like Juan's a, Juan's a purebred downhiller. He's, he's fast as fuck. He's a racer. So, but I'm a little more on the free ride side. So if someone, if like, if, if you asked me what kind of mountain biking I was, I was into, I'd, I'd just tell you downhill. Right. But really I'm, I'm probably more into the free ride side of things. Downhill, you're basically racing down the mountain as fast as you can. Or in our case, you're driving to the top of the mountain and riding your downhill bikes down these trails we built and, and mm. just riding downhill, like no pedaling involved. Free ride, <laughs> right. free ride has a little more of like a jump and trick aspect to it. So ah. we're like on our bike trails, we'll, we'll also build big wooden jumps and features and stuff like that. And if you can like hit those, go as big as you can, do some tricks on them if you can, that's kind of, that's more the free ride side of things. I don't know. Some combination of downhill and free ride is, is basically where we're at. Mm for the most part yeah, anyway. That's that's about right. Like if you called me a downhiller and you called Russ a free rider, we'd both have fun riding the same sorts of, whether it's jumps or, or trails, like we're both going to have fun on the same sort of stuff. Mm. I might just be riding down the trail a little faster and Russ might just be doing a backflip over the jump. Ah, like, and, and we both have like very similar setup bikes and like we do the same thing. We yeah. shuttle to the same trails and we, we build the same type, type of yeah. trails. And you'd look at us and you'd be like, Oh yeah, those guys do the exact same thing. But then we kind of like see these like little minute differences in like, Hey, that's different a, styles of riding yeah. inside mountain biking, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, is there a competition aspect to this or like, are there, I guess there, there have to be like races. Yeah, funny on, you should say that. Yeah, I'm going. Ra- <laughs> I'm going racing on on Friday. Oh, really? Yeah. Where? Fernie, Panorama, and then Kicking Horse and Golden. Three different spots. Three different spots where me and a crew of friends are gone for like 10, 11 days. There's three races. Ah. In, in like it's a Sunday, it was Saturday, like Sunday. A marathon. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you like ride from downhill no. from Fernie and then to. In Vermeer. <laughs> cool no, you've got the wrong kind of biking. Yeah. Right. We've got to explain this to you better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, you're on a skateboard right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So how do you get involved with that kind of thing? Like what? Well, is there prizes? Like not really just glory and ego, I guess. Like, ah, uh, yes. The there's, old there's, prizes there are. I mean, there would be like, we're not super competitive. Like me and me and the crew we're in, like we don't have racing licenses. We're re- really just doing it to like, mm. I don't know, live out some sort of like little dream world that we're, we're pro racers or something like that. Uh, but like that all the time. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a good time. Like we've got condos booked. There's six of us. We're going to have yeah. full like mechanic pit set up to work on our bikes and, and like practice the tracks and then race the tracks. And some of them are like their national level events. So the fastest guys in the country will be there. And so you can kind of see how you stack up to the, the fast guys on the same track on the same day. Right. But are there like sponsored events where there's like you have to register and 
I don't know, there are prizes or at least like, I don't even know, there's some sort of officialness to it. I'm yeah, sure yeah, big time. Yeah, that's right? that's what this is. These are official like BC Cup mm, races okay. and, yeah. and the Canadian National Championships. Yeah, so. they're like these are nationally syndicated races. There'd be a series in BC and Quebec and Ontario, and like if you did the full circuit, you'd have to travel all over the country. Right. And you like obviously the pro and elite riders would be doing that, but like we're just hitting the ones that are a few hour drive away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're they're sponsored. They're they're making money. They're getting paychecks from from their the the companies that they represent to to go and get the best results they can at races. And then that whole thing happens on like a World Cup level, mm. like internationally. And that that's a whole other level. Is that something you want to do someday? <laughs> that's something I can never do. No, no. Why? The level's far too high. Okay just like these are freaks of nature who can do this or when you see them it yeah it basically yeah. seems like that like Juan's one probably the fastest guy in town I can't keep up to him on the trails but he got smoked by what like 25 seconds in a three and a half minute race by by Finn Isles yeah by the Canadian champ so what would it be I mean I'm still on team Eric I think you can do this so go get it bro <laughs> but but what what is it Again, like, I don't, is it like these people's training, their body style, like how they, I, I like their, it. their reflexes, like what is it that makes them like that much? It's, it's probably, better? it's probably all of that. Like they're one, they're just more naturally gifted athletes mm. Two, They probably were fostered in a sort of a system or a location that, and they had like all those best opportunities available to them. Right. And then once you get to a certain level, you all of a sudden like, once your job becomes mountain biking, you've got you training, you've got, in. you've got tech support, right. you've got all that sort of stuff and that like it kind of snowballs. Mm-hmm. But I think first and foremost, you need to have some real skill, <laughs> which, which like when you compare, when, when too you, no, like I'm, I'm an okay rider, but when you compare me to like, right. What the but top, these are like the, top the professional guys. yeah like these would be like the NHL type players exactly of your sport right so yeah. maybe not the right yeah it's like compare yourself comparing to. a beer league hockey player to Sidney Crosby or something exactly like that. exactly like, that's 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 the that's a perfect analogy right there okay still I think you're probably above beer league but no 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 we, no. we literally put up like we do our own little race series locally uh, and we call it the beer league downhill series so oh, okay. Well, that actually made me think of something else because, like, obviously, it sounds like part of this. Uh, also, good luck. Thanks. <laughs> this is actually really fortunate timing. <laughs> but you're going with friends, so like, one of the things that really occurred to me is this: like, there's like a definite community around this, right? Like, you two are two people I know of, maybe probably six or seven people from my grad class or my high school time that I know and probably several others that I don't. So I don't know, Russ, what do you, what's like the community aspect and the friendship aspect of this? Cause I'm, I can, I can detest whenever I've gone out at campfires, I'm just like trying to figure out what the hell you guys are talking about. <laughs> Cause there's got so much lingo around mountain biking. Yeah. So what's no. the community? Like, it's... how does that, I guess, make you feel when you like have that community? Well, I kind of, I think about it sometimes I'm like, oh shit, like my only friends, the only people I talk to are mountain bikers. Like I should probably diversify <laughs> a little bit, but that's just the way it is. Like we're, we're pretty passionate about mountain biking. It's like the one thing I spend all my free time on. So just naturally the people that I hang out with are, are also going to be into mountain biking, whether mm-hmm. we're riding or building trails or 
whatever we're doing, drinking beers after riding. And then you just meet more and more friends with similar interests through that, like whether it's in town, huge riding community in town here. And then we, we have groups of friends. Was it kinda, always like that here? Yeah, it it definitely grew. It was always like that, but mountain biking's just exploded so much that so many, like every year there seems like there's more and more mountain bikers. Mm. We have a pretty tight crew, but it's always, there's always other crews intermingling and stuff like right. that. But yeah, basically it ends up just being, I don't know, you almost only hang out with mountain bikers. You're one of my few, <laughs> few non-mountain biker friends these days. Yeah, it's, I, it's weird how that happens, but it's kinda, well, yeah. I mean, the power of high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess I really haven't lived anywhere else in BC, but it just it feels more intense here. Like it feels like there's just so many people here that are in, I don't know, the mountain bike scene, if I could call it that. Nelson's kind of one of the few. There's a few. There's a handful of communities in BC, and like so, if you were in Squamish or Revelstoke or Whistler or Williams Lake or Fernie or something like that, you would definitely have like a similar sort of composition of, of mountain bikers being everywhere. And, 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 uh, so, so it just depends where you Do are. Do people move here for mountain biking? hundred percent. Yeah. Really? Especially now. Yeah. Rich people. Okay, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, rich people can move anywhere they want for any reason. But yeah, but no, like, it's it's a do do us normies like us move here for this if they can find a place to rent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the same way there's ski bums that go around to resorts in the winter for for skiing. There'd be people who strictly choose to move here from New Zealand or or do a do an extended holiday here for, for just for the riding. Wow. Now, do you think that Nelson is just such a naturally a good spot for mountain biking or i know that there's been some like really successful mountain bikers come from here like has the fame grown because of the location or because of the people who are from here do you think who are good i think it's more i think the number one reason it's such a great place to ride has to be the trail builders like for the last 10 15 20 years like just some amazing trails have been built Mm. and then even now now it's more like uh, smooth flow trails that everyone can enjoy that are getting built, but mm. they, we're still building the gnarly free ride trails too. So we have a bit of everything, but more more people can enjoy it nowadays. And there's just so many choices out there. I, like if, if there's a list of all the trails in Nelson, it's got to be like 120, 150 trails wow. around the area. So yeah, if you look at British Columbia, there's there's a hundred towns with a similar sort of topography and terrain and and, sure. and forest type that yeah. could that could in theory be awesome mountain bike meccas but they're not because no one bothered to build a bike trail there or oh. a network of bike trails like we have here so okay so two questions then uh what is trail building other than again what it sounds like but like what goes into that and also like who started that here who were who were the pioneers of trail building in nelson so maybe try the second question first. Oh, okay. <laughs> the The one guy in town, he uh, is part owner of the the Sacred Ride Bike Shop. He's kind of you got to credit him with like making Nelson the mountain bike mecca because he's basically built all of our favorite trails. Mm. I mean, it would still be going on without him, but he's he's built so many of the best iconic trails in town mm. that you got to give him. That's this is Mark Holt I'm talking about. Got to give him some credit. Mark Holt. Mark Holt. <laughs> <laughs> that probably won't be the last Arrested Development. I, I, hope, I hope there's more. Bring it on. Cock-a-cock. Cock-a-cock. 
Yeah, it's good. Like, uh, trust me, nothing is better on a purely audio medium than visual cues. (laughs) (laughs) I always say I have a I have a face for podcasts and a voice for the silent era. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like, okay, so the question about trail building seems really relevant because whenever I've talked to either of you two or a couple of other friends, like, you're always talking about trail building and. This was the part of mountain biking I never thought about until I heard people talk about it. Because in my mind, and I'm the layman here, mountain biking is, okay, you drive your bike up a hill or someone drives you and then you just ride it down. <laughs> and then someone picks you up, drives you back up. It's like skiing or something, right? Although I guess probably people make ski trails too, I'm sure. Well, nope. well Maybe people don't make way. ski trails. That's the thing. <laughs> right. So you, like you skiing, can ski like, anywhere, yeah, is the thing. So that's, that's a huge the difference, right? So, but but I guess what you're saying is you have to craft your trails, obviously by trail building, because you can't just go down a hill, which in my very like naive mind is like, well, there's gravity, just go. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. obviously there could be trees in the way and brush and stuff. So exactly. Uh, yeah. Why don't you lay out trail building for us and what it contributes to your mountain biking experience? Well, like if you want to have the best time riding you need to ride the best trails Mm. in the best places so right it's kind of half engineering half brute force labor and like a little bit of like artistic flair sprinkled in math checks out yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i was gonna say half half and half but i i I abstained because i knew i was gonna get called out but i got it anyways (laughs) yeah but it's it's uh yeah it's it's a lot of really hard work a lot of time on the chainsaw a lot of time on a mm. shovel and and uh, like a Pulaski or a Matic, like digging tools. And basically you just brute force labor smashing the terrain to to make it do what you want it to do and right. ride the way you want it to ride. So whether that's jumps or landings or bench cutting, like a so- creating essentially like a, a side hill in like a really steep area so you can traverse and get to the, the next feature on your trail. It involves a lot of hiking and scoping where you want to ride and... and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun and really rewarding, but also incredibly time-consuming and a lot of hard work. Especially when only a very small percentage of the riders actually do any trail building. Mm. Yeah, see the Luke Masons of the world, they just want to drive to the top of the mountain and then just ride Crush down. and trails. Not... Okay, you're right in a sense, Eric. However, the Luke Masons of the world would drive up and then ride 50 feet and fall down. Okay, so you're giving me a little bit too yeah. much credit. <laughs> so, like, a, are you like a minority of the people build the trails? Yeah, it's it's a pretty small amount of people that build and maintain the trails compared to the people who ride them, mm. which is fine. Like, I I never even thought of building trails until we, as younger guys, started like had the bright idea of building a trail up the mountain. Yeah, I was only interesting in the riding, and I think a lot of people are. But if you don't have those people out there, even just maintaining the trails that are already built, they go to shit pretty fast. Like, Mm. especially in this hot, dry weather, we go up to a trail tomorrow and it's not half as fun as it was a month ago when when there was moisture. Do you like trail building? I I really love it. But like Juan says, it's incredibly time consuming. And yeah find myself like spending more time working on trails than i than i do riding these days so Mm. i don't know at at a certain point it gets old but it's also like incredibly 
really really rewarding to ride something you built or for sure yeah yeah i can imagine like how good it feels to ride the trail that you've built but it sounds like a t- like even just what you say here never mind that like just the amount of st- shit you got to carry and move around and like bring equipment and you're like kind of in the middle of nowhere sometimes pretty much always yeah yeah this right well we've got tool caches all over the mountains here oh really like i did, yeah i've got probably three or four different sets of tools and only one of them I have in my vehicle right now. The rest are stashed on mountainsides. Yeah, my chainsaw is just sitting up the mountain. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> That's like your version of nerdiness. Hey? Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, exactly. Where's the cash? Is this cash three or cash seven? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's yeah. It's a bit ridiculous. Like. That's awesome. Well, okay, so do you feel like the feeling of actually riding a trail is different on one you've built? Even like one that maybe isn't objectively as good as another trail. Do you enjoy riding those in a way that's different than a trail that someone else built, even if it is a little bit better? It, you just, you get so much more intimate with the trail that you've built because you've built, you've built it to ride it a certain way. So you almost know every little bump and hummock and right. how the corners are set up. It's just totally different riding a trail you haven't built or worked on or maybe don't know as well sure um when you know it that well it just becomes a whole different ball game yeah there's certain trails too like that are a little more special like i've i've done a few that were a little faster a little just kind of like point a to point b get it done just for the sake of putting a new trail in and they're good but they're not as good as like as some of the ones that maybe take a little longer and like we're a little more meaningful i guess just in in the time put out there or like maybe the particular location for that trail was was better or or, uh, more inspiring i guess Mm. is it more often that you're like starting your own trail from scratch or upkeeping a current trail it's a little different for everyone i this year anyway i've spent the majority of my time just maintaining existing trails Mm. and that's again mostly because i like the free ride aspect the jumps and stuff right they need they tend to need a lot more work to keep those running smooth so i've i don't know i've worked on a handful of different trails all spring just getting all the jumps good to go and and running well yeah i haven't started any new projects in a while but and how do you choose whether you're going to go riding or trail building or do you usually do both in the same day sometimes both but it usually condition dependent if it's pissing rain and the riding's not going to be that good. That might be a good digging day. Or, or now that we're in a heat wave and everything's dusty and not as fun right. to ride, it sucks to dig okay. too, but it might be better than riding. Yeah, more or less. And, and like depends. Sometimes, like we've alluded to before, we, we like to ride downhill bikes. We like to ride downhills. And our bikes aren't particularly suited well for pedaling up. So sometimes if you can't get a crew of friends that all want to go riding at the same time, and that's getting harder to do as we get older and have more responsibilities like it's just harder to line Boo. things up so like sometimes it's easier Boo. just to yeah oh big time don't get me started on that oh i <laughs> renos and yeah a house renos. And... <laughs> yeah no it's no it's a th- no i'm that guy now i'm busy i like i can't do everything i want to anymore so like sometimes it's, you might not be able to ride with your friends for like a couple weeks and so like the only times you can get out are by yourself right and whether that's pushing your yourself up a hill to ride down, or maybe you just go out and, and dig for a few hours on on a trail that you're working on, or or maintain a trail that that uh, needs some needs some love because it's getting overexploited. Hmm. Interesting. 
we do have it pretty lucky too because we the nelson cycling club in town gets a lot of funding and they they do a lot for our local trails they do a lot for like so there's money for this there is money for this for the sanctioned trails that are like official mapped trails that that people are going to know about they have a lot of money to keep those maintained and to do they employ people they do yeah not not a lot of people but they have a they have would a this be a job program. you guys would want to at least have part-time maybe if if we didn't already have full-time forestry careers would right i don't know speaking for myself that probably be something i do but yeah i'm kind of pot committed at the moment yeah no it's like <laughs> fair like and, and like the <laughs> that'll cycle. be the next episode yeah. <laughs> forestry careers <laughs> uh, yeah that's it <laughs> like the cycling club's great and and uh but their priorities don't always nest like align with the type of trails that we want to build uh, sometimes that is you a, could say I think a that quote, feels like a very diplomatic way to put yeah. it <laughs> there was a quote said at one of the annual general meetings at the nelson cycling club that says the downhillers kind of take care of themselves so <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's so the like way it is. our priorities don't always align but sometimes they do and when they do we're lucky in that the cycling club we have good relationships with them and like we can actually work as contractors and bill our time to the cycling club mm where our priorities and their priorities align because sometimes they do. Sometimes a, a, a sanctioned official uh, popular public trail needs a new jump or needs needs some new corners or something. And, and then right. sometimes we're the best people to do that. And uh, we get to build them for it. So it's it's oh. nice to like get paid a little bit at least. For sure. The, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. The idea of ever making money doing something that I spend my free time doing anyway is like heaven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a different question, but what's your relationship like with your bike? What do you Wands isn't very good. He just, he just got rid of his. <laughs> yeah. I just got rid of him. I just okay. Well, <laughs> kicked like, it to the curb. It's for more... sale. If anyone wants to buy it, what, what, <laughs> I don't know. Cause I, I'm totally, this is like a totally outsider question. Imagining that, your most important tool in this entire endeavor is your is your mountain bike, obviously, because it's the thing that is with you the whole time. Not just mechanically, but like, what do you hope for in a good mountain bike that keeps you safe, but also having a good time? And like, tell me about your favorite bike you've ever had and why it was your favorite. Yeah, I think there's a lot that goes into it because we're mountain bikes are so expensive you just can't right you can't have like the best of everything all the time i i spend ungodly amounts of time just maintaining my bike and like keeping it running as smooth as possible well my bike and my girlfriend's bike and both of our dirt jump bikes and both of our town bikes so it's like six bikes to work on spend way too much time doing it but yeah it's like you're just trying to get the most out of what you have sometimes so mm. a lot of a lot of work goes into that and you become a pretty good mechanic after a while but fun like not intentional but like all of a sudden you have a new skill yeah That's exactly cool. yeah and youtube's great for that you can, sure. you can learn a lot and yeah hardly ever have to bring my bike to the shop i just do it all myself but yeah like the perfect bike I don't know. For me, it's my bike because that's what I'm used to. I I can't even hop on someone else's downhill bike and feel good, even if it's incredibly similar. Like you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between two bikes, but I'd hop on one. Like right. I'd hop on Juan's bike and be like, "Oh, it's yeah. just garbage." So you have like, like, and I mean this sincerely. Like, do you feel like it's a sentimental relationship you have with your own bike? A little bit, but it's almost 
it's almost more mechanical at that point. It's just, this is how it feels like the brake levers pull a certain way. And this is where the contact points are. This is how the grips feel. Like there's so many different little subtleties that go into it and you just get so used to your own bike. I know, I, I know other people who don't care. They can hop on a different bike and it's no problem for them. But for me, it has to, it has to be my bike. But you, I mean, this, this feels like almost obvious, but you must admire bikes. Oh yeah. Like, and like sure. notice ones that are better than others. And absolutely. Like, and or, you could explain why they're better. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So do you do that often? Do you find yeah. yourself doing that oh, yeah. often? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I see other, other people's bikes and I'm ogling them or mm. on the internet, the, the bike of the day on, on these websites and stuff. I'm, looking at stuff and obviously there's there is things i would change on my bike if i had unlimited funds to to do so but at the end of the day you just you just do what you can with what you have and i love my bike so hmm. yeah it's, it's four it's four years old now and i'm still riding what color it, so is it blue oh nice it's a yeah. good color when russ says that though like we're all on incredibly expensive nice fancy bikes mm. like they're top right. of the line right. machines but like for example i'm I just bought a brand new one. Like I've ridden it four times kind of thing. Oh, okay. Did and you buy it for like your upcoming? Maybe deep down rate? inside, but like I, I kind of like panic bought it. Oh. I don't know. I, there was one left, <laughs> was there was the one panic? left, there was one left in my size and I knew I wanted a new one coming up this fall or winter, but there's like, cause of COVID there's this massive like worldwide bike shortage. Yeah. Actually in Calgary, when COVID yeah. started, Obviously, everyone wants to go buy a bike, and there are just no stores had bikes, and no secondhand stores had bikes yeah. either. So, like, I've been doing research for for a number of months, kind of preparing myself for a new bike this fall or this winter. Mm. But then, like, I saw the bike; it was brand new, it was in my size, it was sitting in a warehouse in Squamish, and uh, right. I just pulled out the credit card and made a huge mistake. But, uh, <laughs> but so like, I've made a huge. Mistake. But like, to what Russ was saying. <laughs> Oh my God. Like to what Russ was saying before, like I had a brand new bike and I didn't ride it for two days. Cause like I'm working full time and like it, it took me that much time to like get it just right. Right. Before I even wanted to throw a leg over it and go ride it. Cause like I had to set up the suspension properly. I needed to set up like all the adjustments in needed... like the factory settings. Well, the factory settings obviously were trash. Oh, like, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> no. So like there's like, it took me like, two days of staring at this brand new machine when I could have gone riding, but instead I was just tinkering with it and getting it just right before I even could like stand the thought of taking it out and trying it Mm. at a certain point. Like you're very invested in like, and know what you want your bike to feel like and what you need it to feel like. Mm. And that's, I mean, that's obviously just because you've been doing this for so long. Yeah. Like, you know, exactly like how you ride and yeah. How you want it to respond. I have like a little more sentimentality for some of my older bikes. Like, when I was like young and dumb and struggling and like barely keeping it running, mm-hmm. you kind of look back and you're kind of like, Oh, that was a, that was a sweet bike. That was fun. Sure. But like, I, do I'd you say attach not, bikes to different eras of your life? I, I kind of, cause I do that with songs. I'd say my whole life is like, what bike was I riding at the time? <laughs> you, yeah. You even made some kind of social media post. Yeah. that was like, here are my lap, like a whole bunch of bikes throughout my Yeah, I like went through my Facebook and like cherry picked all the photos of my bike since 2005 or something like that. Mm. Posted them all up, like made like a little like tribute to all these bikes. Ah, well, Eric, a softer person than me might think that's really sweet. (laughs) But don't worry, I'm a tough guy, so I won't notice it. But like some bikes I haven't liked, this latest one was like 
it's not that my other bike was bad. It's just like, right. this was like a business decision. Like mm. I wanted a newer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted a newer, faster, shiny bike. And my other one wasn't as new or fast or shiny. So mm. kicked it to the curb. Do you guys feel like you spend a good chunk of time talking about bikes with your friends? Yeah. Way too much. Yeah. Way too much. Well, way too much. Why way well, too much? Cause this is like one of your favorite things. <laughs> yeah. But at the detriment of our other relationship. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this is I part see. of the reason why our only friends are other mountain bikers. Cause it's like, we just, just hang out with each other. I got told by a girl I dated for a very short amount of time that I needed to talk about other things than mountain biking. I wonder if the two were related. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hypothetical I'm willing yeah. to ponder. But I mean, like whether it's like the riding we did or the trail building that we're planning or doing or like where to get a deal on a new bike tire or something like there's no end of like bicycle conversations. To or have this, sure. this new six. There's zone. so much to spoke yeah. about, right? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I was waiting for a good time. <laughs> yeah, there's so many, even though we're talking about mountain biking the whole time, there's, yeah, there's so many different aspects of it. Mm. I don't know. We talk about other stuff too, but. Actually, a, a joke just occurred to me and I'm making this on the fly. So where does Star Wars meet mountain biking? Where? Definitely at the Outer Rim. <laughs> <laughs> oh <Sorry>. boy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the content you can always speaking hear. Of, <laughs> speak, speaking of Star Wars, we built a bike trail in Germany, and one of the sections was yes, the forest, sorry. the forest moon of Endor. That was the name of the section. The sec yeah. not the whole trail, but the section, the section of the trail. trail. We called it the forest moon of Endor because like it was big, tall trees, ah. and like just the way it was, the trail was kind of rooted. It was like you're on one of those speeder bikes, right? Ripping speeder around, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in and yeah. out of trees, ferns everywhere. Yeah. So it looked like. Uh, the redwood forest in california <laughs> well it didn't look that cool because it's these manicured plantations of trees in germany but it was Th similar but thanks for bringing that up i totally forgot and i was going to ask you guys did you, you both went to germany right yeah i think we both couple times. we both did a couple times years. yeah we both been twice yeah tell us about how that came about i went 2015 and 2017 maybe yeah and, and I, you, went, I went 2015, 2015 and 2016, and 2016. Mm. yeah anyway so we've been like our group has been three times. I've only been two of the three times because of life and work and stuff. But essentially like Boo. just through like the mountain bike network, friends of friends and like connections that uh, one buddy of ours had in particular, he happened to meet the, the president of a German cycling club and his wife on their honeymoon in, in, in here in Nelson. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he met them here and anyways, they got to talking. He took them riding, took them riding on some of the trails he'd built and they, they had a great time. Anyways, long story short, a, a few years later, he gets a random Facebook message from them saying, hey, Chris, how would you feel about coming over to Germany and building us a bike trail? <laughs> and so he That's was... fucking awesome. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, it turns out like the Germans, they've got lots of... They had lots of fund, funds raised to build a new bike trail, but they really suck at building trails. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so they needed to bring in some... Uh, some outside help. So they brought, what, four or five of us? Four of us. Four of us the first year. year, yeah. Yeah, the four Canadians. Yeah, they brought four of us over, all cl close buddies. And we essentially, they put us up in a house, gave us a truck, uh, gave us tools, and just let us loose in the forest there, building them a, a trail. Wow. And they, we had all sorts of volunteers come out. and, and uh... That's like insane. I know that maybe it doesn't 
exactly strike you guys that way because it's like an extenuation of what you do normally, mm. which is trail building, right? But like the fact that you guys got invited to go to a different continent to do this, like I, to me, that's a big fucking deal. It was it was pretty unreal when it happened. Like we were right. we got to work right away when we were there, and like as the few days went on, people would start recognizing us in town. Like, oh, are you, are you guys the four Canadian trail builders? And- <laughs> Like all this you got your stuff, own title. And, yeah, the, yeah. The newspaper came by and interviewed us, and we were all on this TV stuff. And, and shit. Like, like we yeah, were, they, we were kind of like rock stars a little bit. Yeah, people were really excited because when we got there, the, this town, Freiburg, of one hundred and twenty thousand, like big university town, had one bike trail, mm. and so they brought us in to double their trail network, essentially. So people <laughs> were really stoked. And somehow, this city with a huge population and one bike trail was like known like it was a notorious mountain bike destination in germany i don't know how that's possible given they had one trail that was at the time it's better now but at the time their one trail was like so so and so we built them their second trail that was that was we that was a good trail that we built that, that was really especially when it was fresh when we were there how long that did was it take a really good trail. we were there what like eight nine weeks or something yeah like a month and a half did they pay you we got a little bit of cash at the end. It was right, yeah. it was a more like the paid flights and right. accommodation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was unlimited food, beer, beer. And then we did. Did you get time to like see some cool shit too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. Yeah, we left with we left with some some euros in hand as well too, which was nice. That is like, I don't know. I think that's incredible. You know, like that's like four guys from Nelson, BC, get to go to Germany to trail build. Yeah, we got pretty lucky that we were able to do that. Yeah, in one sense you got lucky, but you also developed a skill that they wanted, right? Yeah. Like it's like kind of cool because I don't know, it's like the idea of um you never know who out there in the world is going to want the kind of like idiosyncratic thing you're getting good at, right? Yeah. There's no way to predict what sort of person in Germany is going to give a shit about your trail building skills here in Nelson BC. And yet, without you developing those skills, you don't get that opportunity, right? So yeah, I don't know. Sure. I think that's kind of cool. Well, obviously, it was it was neat to be like, I don't know, just be like there was definitely a spotlight on us, and we had like we must have had seventy five volunteers on one of our our trail building volunteer days. Really, like people like just was, from the town came. Oh to yeah, help. it was we we'd call it Axe Face. Because like there's so many Germans that are just swinging. Essentially, they've got these digging tools, and they're like it's like a battle axe on one end. You can't get those here, but like they're swinging these axes yeah, they, so more close of a to your country. face. They looked medieval. <laughs> yeah, those, these tools that we were using. Yeah, and yeah, so it it was pretty surreal, just like how stoked that community got for a new bike trail. Wow. And also with that one, like we were literally digging bike trails through like. 400 year old war trenches wow like full-on like historic like sure. trenches here in canada it'd be like which part of you'd germany never is, go anywhere near it but what part of germany is freiburg in southwest okay like pretty close yeah. to switzerland and right. france in right, the black right, right. forest so we, yeah. we took trips down to switzerland we were, yeah we took some trips while we were there wow but yeah literally built a jump into a hundreds of year old war trench a jump out of it and then a berm through a i don't know some kind of bomb hole uh Oh yeah, right. There was that bomb. There was a World War II bomb hole. Yeah, it was, it was like, like different eras of wars. Yeah. We were building features into war features. It was Yeah, but do they know about our pine beetles? <laughs> <laughs> they they know they're surprisingly informed. We got some yep. messages lately because of this heat wave. Like 
We have sure. messages from from German friends being like, "Are you guys burning to death? Like, what's going on?" Yeah, I wonder if it's in the international news. I mean, there's like I think it was the, the heat right dome. Now. Yeah, the heat dome for sure was, but yeah. like, I mean, the fires going on here now is a yeah <laughs> completely different, different story. story. It's very smoky right now. What's your guys' relationship to nature? Do you think about like the setting of mountain biking and what it? I mean, in one sense, this maybe is a dumb question because you can't really. I mean, maybe there are artificial courses, like indoor mountain bike courses. That seems really elaborate to try and build off other indoor ski hills in different parts of the world where it's hard to ski. Yeah, so, skate parks and stuff like that. It's- yeah, like what um, What do you guys think when you're like, oh, that tree's going to be tough to, to cut down for this trail? Or I can, I've seen this before. Like, do you see it as like a puzzle? Do you see it as like, it's I like definitely- to spend time outside? Yeah, it's it's both. Like a like trail building is definitely a puzzle, and I think it's it's more like artwork. But we're pretty good at like you don't you don't want to have to go through a big nice tree anyway. Like we'd be digging our trail around a big nice tree. So we, I don't know. I I don't feel like we do a lot of damage to nature or anything. I think I think right. we're pretty well connected. And then me and Eric are both foresters so we we kind of know a lot about forest health and mm. and tree health and vigor and right. all that stuff and that goes into it i'd say we have a pretty good connection i don't i don't think there's a lot of time we don't spend outdoors in the forest so yeah i mean like the reason i got into forestry like when i was a high school student i was like oh the guidance counselor asked me what what do you want to do in university i just kind of blanked and i thought about it for a second i was like well I like mountain bike. I love mountain biking. Uh, I really like skiing. Both of those happen in the forest. And I was like, uh, forestry. And I just, I just told that to the guidance counselor to get her off my back kind of thing. Right. And sure, sure enough, that's what I ended up doing. And that's kind of the, the avenue where kind of my passions, I guess, take mm. place. That's that's where, that's where I want to spend my time. And that's also where I work too. So. Right. Cause it's like a lot of people have hobbies that they spend outside, but Mountain biking seems like the kind of activity where you're so like you have to be paying attention to what you're doing and you're so invested in it. Whereas like I imagine if you if your hobby sorry, I don't wanna this is much more in the hobby for you guys. But like <laughs> if someone's passion is like stand up paddleboarding, you get it you but like you're gonna look around, right? Like, you're, gonna, sure, yeah. you're gonna admire the world around you and i just i i guess my intuition is like that might be a little bit harder to do while mountain biking but like is it still a part of the culture of mountain biking is like appreciating the vistas that it, you're involved in it is for sure and we we've built or maintained trails in some insanely beautiful areas and you just stop and look around and you're like whoa this is this forest is insane like crazy old growth or just beautiful plants everywhere but then there's also like recent two weeks ago i just went on a a, for a stag party we went on a mountain bike bike packing trip through the chilcotans which is nothing i've ever done before like i've I've never pedaled a bike uphill really until this and we're pedaling over mountain you're doing it wrong russ (laughs) (laughs) i I loved it i'm I'm hooked now i'm gonna i'm gonna start but yeah you just uphill mountain biking (laughs) up and downhill unfortunately with a 40 pound backpack on right but so cool like just the most insane views the entire time and you're mm. bike, you're climbing these peaks with your bike and there's mountain goats up there and there's snow-capped mountains all around you and it's just just beautiful it's like it's a huge part of it for sure mm. yeah 
Yeah, definitely. No, it's uh, you get to be in some pretty unique places that most of the rest of the world, anyone who's not a mountain biker, they don't get to go to. Um, yeah. The viewpoints and the like, the the places in the forest that you get to go. No one else really gets to go there unless they're on a bike. So. I mean, you could hike places, but then you gotta walk downhill, and that's just like. <laughs> that's Why would you ever work. hike if you could just like Have without a bike? Because then you can just ride back down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I love being outside, but I don't really have any hobbies that force me into like unique natural settings. I play ultimate Frisbee. That's outside, but it's like on a field. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like the views don't change so much, even if it's beautiful out and I love it, mm-hmm. but there is something kind of like beautiful about that moment where you are like around a bend or above a ridge for the first time to see a new landscape that you've never seen before or you know that hardly anybody sees like i've always really appreciated those moments in my life and and so like it's just cool to think that this is like uh instrumental to what you guys do is that i'm sure this happens to you sometimes yeah maybe not something that you would think about all the time but it just kind of sneaks up on you yeah like if you're riding and you're riding fast let's say like you you don't have time to like look around and take it all in but like there's all those moments where you're stopped you're regrouping you're unloading the truck or you're you're having a break or something you've pushed your bike to the top of the trail to the viewpoint and it's just insane yeah Yeah, those are the times when you when it's yeah i was like last weekend i was riding off of the alpine peaks in the selkirk mountains down trails to valley bottom to a beautiful flowing river so like you you kind of traverse from alpine to to all the way down to the bottom of the valley and uh Mm. you get to see everything in between it's pretty cool right well i only have one question left before you guys want to say anything else but like what's what's the rush? Why do you guys spend your free time doing this? Uh, it's almost become like an obsession. Like if I find myself with free time, I'm almost like, shit, I, I got to get up on the trail and do some work. This needs work. That needs work. And now I have even less free time. Like I'm helping I'm building our house right now. So right. even less free do you, time. Do you build the house imagining going down Just, a hill? Wishing I was trail building. <laughs> um, if only this wasn't for my house. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's just because I guess it's so much of a passion that it just becomes a bit of an obsession, and it's you just want to get out there and and make the trails better and make more fun things to ride, and then and then you got to get out and ride them too, so that takes mm-hmm. time. So, yeah, I don't know if if I didn't have mountain biking, I would have so much free time to do productive things. <laughs> I think about that sometimes, like how, <laughs> how much more money I could make and like to have the house built by now, probably like just so much stuff that mountain biking gets in the way of, but I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean about like, uh, well, I don't really know what you mean about making money, but I know what you mean <laughs> in terms of like thinking that way. But I think clearly we all kind of understand that there's more than one kind of value in life, Right. And money is a huge form of value, but like free time and hobbies and relationships are other forms of things that are valuable to us that we wouldn't necessarily trade for more money. Exactly. Um, like, uh, I, I think it would almost be an offensive question to ask you how much money you would need to never ride a bike again in your life, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any yeah. Out, yeah, so. probably not. So, so what is it about the experience of doing it 
that makes you want to do it even when you're not really like thinking, I want to go do this. You know how like the things that you really want to do, they sneak up on you kind of subconsciously. Maybe you realize, oh, I'm, I'm distracted from something I should be doing because I'm thinking about this thing. Like, what do you think it is about this sport in its like mechanics and, and experience that makes you want to do it? I think it's to I think the detriment it's, of other. Yeah, things. I don't. I, I think it's just the feeling you get when you're riding your bike down a really fun section of trail, and you're riding really well, and your tires are making good noises as you're hitting corners, and there's dirt and loam and duff flying up in your face. There's just like a certain feeling to it. Like you stop after a section, and you're like, "Holy shit, that was that was awesome." There's nothing better than that. It's kind of like the only other feeling I get that with is snowboarding when when we hit like a insane power run with right pillows and stuff like that which is very similar to mountain biking too it's like that that's kind of the feeling i'm always after mm. yeah if you if you talk to my parents they'd say it's an addiction <laughs> like they, they they honestly would like my mom would say eric you're addicted to mountain biking i don't know if it's like the endorphins or like the adrenaline like there, there's a there's a rush component to it for sure but like what sticks with me is like you do a ride and like if there's like a sensation that happened to you on that ride and like it stands out and it's like you remember it days later, like I've ridden a lot of bikes, I've ridden a lot of trails, everything kind of blends together, hit my head a few times. <laughs> but, uh, but like sometimes there's like, oh yeah, the sensation on that corner or on that jump, like earlier this year, like it's, it's those sort of moments that stick with you and, and, uh, keep you coming back. And then like Russ was saying, like when, yourself and the machinery and the trail are all working together it's a pretty special sensation when it all clicks sure and it must be because i i imagine the actual time spent going down the hill in comparison to like going up the hill and trail building is pretty low <laughs> like yeah. if you actually it's, it's not a good ratio the, when you the think ratio about it. of the times but yeah. yeah i mean of course i only bring it up to laugh at it because that's the wrong way to think about it right? Like we all, many people do these things. The actual fun part is a very small part of what you're doing, right? Definitely, yeah. But actually, in a like broader view, you realize that a lot of the work part is actually part of the fun part. For me, I think about it like I played in a couple cover bands in South Korea when I lived there. And like, in one sense, you're playing for the show, right? But like in eight months, we only put on like four shows, four or five shows. I can't even remember. But it wasn't just that. It was like the Sunday night practices with the four other guys in the band and the drinks and hanging out and like making jokes about the songs. And then like the week in between spending time at home, practicing the song, like listening to it extra, like realizing my guitar skills are actually improving just like that tiny little bit over that seven day period from when we practiced that song last week to when we practiced it this week. And I just found it's actually like all of those kind of like work parts are actually part of the fun part with it that pays off when you play a show for a crowd of people kind of thing. And they're like, Oh, you guys are really good. And I'm like, no, we tricked you. <laughs> we, we just got like a little bit better when you weren't looking. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Even though I've never mountain biked to like anything like you guys have, I've obviously ridden bikes my whole life, but I I can understand the sensation. Yeah, you guys like, describe. You, you, it was a good analogy. Like you might push your bike up a hill for an hour and a half, and your descent down the hill is only three minutes. Yeah. So like it's a pretty small proportion of like your entire time spent, 
And then like, not to mention like, oh, you're going to go on a trip. So like you're with your friends, you're spending time together, you're cooking food, you're, you're driving to the top of the mountain, you're riding bikes, you're drinking beers afterwards. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's part of a lifestyle, I the guess. Whole thing, yeah. 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 So. And most of the memories are going to come from those parts in between where you're not actually riding. You're just bullshitting and drinking beers. With and, your friends. With your friends. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's cool that there's like a, it sounds like there's a individual rush that you get like you and your bike going down the hill plus you get the social and that's even too shallow like you get real friendships and you have a shared language even today you guys have like four or five times you said i don't really know what that means i don't know what (laughs) that lingo means definitely but you don't have to waste time explaining the lingo to these other friends right And and like that's just one example of a connection you have in a culture that is kind of yeah. like no one's in charge of exactly, but you just kind of find other people who are interested in what you're interested in. And you have like a self grassroots self-created community. Right? Yeah. Like I don't imagine there was anybody's like, okay, here are the mountain bikers. You guys shall, thou shalt now be friends. No, no, <laughs> right? it happened. It's happens pretty organically. You find like-minded people who like the same kind of riding as you do. And, mm. Maybe they're willing to help you out on a trail that, and build the same kind of stuff you're building and ride the same kind of stuff you're riding. And yeah, it definitely, yeah. definitely just happens. And the cool thing too is like you go to, you go to any town or country and like we've got really good friends in Fernie and Germany sure, and, yeah. and Washington State and they're all like like-minded people that doesn't matter. You speak the same language and you hit it off right away you know right it's the same people different places i guess that's so cool yeah because i mean this is nerdy but you know you're talking to me one of the most foundational books i i read to start this podcast was called a thousand small sanities the moral adventure of liberalism and the guy wrote that one of the foundational principles of liberalism is self-made communities people who organically filter into Uh, shared interests that are authentic and not uh, stamped out by some tyranny but I I just love the kind of like humanistic impulse that comes out of wanting to follow the thing you like and then the organic friendships you make along the way with other people who are interested in that thing like I've experienced that so much with people who like the same bands I like, for example. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Or or more to the point, people who like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. That uh I mean d- d- this is a little unrelated, but I just spent the last two days recording and editing like a full course, an audio course on Star Wars. Oh nice. <laughs> so wow. that I'm gonna be giving to an app that has requested it. So oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Oh my god. So is there any other thing that I haven't asked about or haven't covered that came to mind at all or you wanted to say before we finish up? Um, One aspect I was thinking of that we didn't cover, like I talked to a lot of people who don't mountain bike and Mm. they, they just think like, Oh, you guys are crazy. Like you're risking (laughs) so much. Like, right. We wear a helmet. Yeah. We wear a helmet. We wear (laughs) knee pads. We sometimes gloves. Sure. But really like, I think, I don't know. I've even had skiers that are like super gnarly skiers doing double backflips off cliffs saying, oh yeah, mountain biking, you guys are crazy. It's like... Is they, it more dangerous than other 
sports that are similar? I don't think so because I think you like once you learn, once you put a few years into it and you get good at it. Maybe maybe off the bat, it can be a little little more dangerous, especially if you're riding some of the gnarlier trails. Mm. But once you have that skill set, it's just all risk management. It's how like how risky are you going to get when right. you're riding down the trail? The more risky you get, the faster you're going to go, the more fun you're going to have. But I don't know what, well, yeah, once you're at that level, it's kind of like, it's up to you how, how risky it's going to be. I have a pretty low risk tolerance. So I actually like that. I don't ride nearly as fast as one for one. I, I don't have the skills of riding as fast as one, but for two, it just scares me. But then <laughs> people see me do a backflip on a big jump. And they're like, Oh, you're crazy. But that's just what I'm comfortable doing. So I don't. Maybe Juan's like a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. It just has no <laughs> No, no. No, it, I'm just kidding. But... It's, I don't know. I've been, I've been pretty laid out injury-wise for mountain biking. Yeah, what's your worst injury, both you guys, Ooh. that you've had from mountain biking? Just to really give people the desire to start this I've been, sport. I've been pretty lucky. I've, all I've done ever injury-wise, I've separated a shoulder I've broken a, the smallest bone in my foot and a small bone in my hand, and that's about it. Yeah, you're pretty good. Yeah, I'm separated shoulder. I think uh, I've had worse injuries than that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm like. Relatively, it yeah, can yeah, yeah. Be quite that's not safe. bad. Yeah, separated shoulder, punctured lung, Ugh. broken ankle, broken foot, dislocated finger, stitches in your testicle, stitches in my <laughs> testicle. Well, not in my testicle, in my scrotum. On your scrotum. Ah, uh, yeah. Russ, that had nothing to do with mountain yeah. biking. <laughs> I could. I could see my testicle though. Yeah. Was, oh yeah. It was uh that was shocking. Scary. Sure. Yeah. It's all in all, it's like a relatively convenient place to get stitches. There's not a lot of n- <laughs> nerve sensation on the actual. Scrotum. Oh, it didn't hurt that much. Well, oh, the crash really hurt, and oh, like, no, no, the hematoma on my inner thighs and everything really hurt. But the actual <laughs> stitches themselves didn't hurt that bad. <laughs> well, you know, silver linings. Yeah. Okay. Well, he didn't. He didn't sell it too well the sport of mountain biking just there, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to sell it mountain biking actually yeah, mountain biking sucks especially in nelson no one yeah. no one come here no one do it yeah you got enough friends <laughs> that's not it you got enough people riding our trails oh yeah right 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 okay well and, and eric just goes way too fast that's that's the problem he's way too fast way too fast do you wear do you have like one of those speed helmets like i just imagine <laughs> like like the helmet that no. like goes like ha- like a few inches back in a, in a point i do not have a speeding bullet helmet like that <laughs> we should get one you might need one for this fernie race coming up for the grass section. yeah the grass wide open you might need to break the land speed record very fast we should yeah. get him one <laughs> that'd be where a good you, birthday where do you gift. get one Oh, like I don't know. Like I just like I'm imagining road bike helmets from people from like the Netherlands or something. We could probably paper mache a big fin off the back. That's ah, yeah, get. baby shark. I'll I'll rock it <laughs> if you do it. If you if you paper mache me a mount to my helmet, I'll uh, I'll do it. All right. Well, thanks guys. This was lots of fun. Do you have any? shout outs you want to give or anything on the internet that people can look up if they're more interested in following this up or any sponsors you might have for us i don't know well i'm i'm drinking a delicious backroads brewing beer right now i'd, oh. I'd like to shout them out tell me more about that <laughs> what is they, that it's uh it's the the best craft brewing in nelson it's delicious beer and they actually 
they help us out a bit. They've donated kegs to some of our beer league races and, Mm. and they, they give me some free beer from time to time and, and it's greatly appreciated and it's very delicious. Cool. That's awesome. I'm unaffiliated. I get, I'm unaffiliated (laughs) with any, anything like obviously like the local trail builders are awesome and appreciate all the work they do. The bike shop sacred ride has given me lots of good deals in the past and, and, uh, Nice. Thanks to thanks to them and um, but uh, yeah no I'm unaffiliated I'm independent. Mm. Well, I want to say a big thanks to the two of you. Again, I actually I mean I know that this is probably all boilerplate stuff for you guys, but I felt like I learned some new things. So thanks for that. So presumably, the people who listen to this podcast will too, because I can't imagine any of them are mountain bikers. <laughs> At least not yet. Not yet. Maybe with this episode, I'll get a few mountain biker yeah. listeners. You never know. <laughs> Yeah, thanks guys. I I know uh it's like maybe a little strange to go actually specifically talk about what you like to spend your time doing, but this is part of my I guess goal in this podcast sure. is to like help realize that the underlying things that we like are very similar even if the things that they manifest are quite different. So even though you guys talked about mountain biking. I could still hear like, oh yeah, that song is good, but I don't like when too many other people like that song. <laughs> that <laughs> sure. kind of yeah, thing. exactly. You know, so it's funny how that underlies a lot of stuff. So yeah, anyway. you can kind of like just to voice it and like explain things kind of like, I don't know, it just makes you revisit it personally yourself too. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, because you guys have been doing this for so long and not that you have to, but maybe you've never like say, why do I like mountain biking? <laughs> Right. Like, I don't know. I've always found value in consciously reflecting on the things that I take for granted. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't even have to just be a passion or hobby. It could be like, why do I walk this route to this location instead of this other route? Right. Like, what is it about something? So, and then it's like, oh, maybe I have a, maybe I'll run into this person when I walk this route versus, you know, it's like, it's funny how you actually, I believe you can actually discover new things about what you actually care about or think about if you ask very basic questions about things that you take for granted for sure yeah yeah definitely the first time i've put these things into words so Mm. (laughs) well and like who knows maybe next time you go up a trail you'll like have a have a more like podcasty type thought if it strikes you. Yeah, right? totally. I've, starting podcasting has definitely given me what I call podcasty type thoughts. Yeah, It was totally. like, I never would have thought this about this book <laughs> until now that I, like, for example, I watched the movie Memento last night and I'm like, watching it's like, here's a new thing about Memento I'd never thought about before, but because I have to like think a little, I'm not just absorbing it as a form of entertainment, but I'm like actually analyzing it a little bit as a film. It's like, I never thought about this like, dual kind of storytelling where we're like we're sympathetic to leonard but also like that makes us distracted from what's actually going on around him my emotions are getting manipulated a little bit by this narrative (laughs) and i never would have thought about it like that before and that's a really like nerdy example of something i took for granted which is like this is my favorite movie but i even last night i learned something new about it watching it again like the movie i love the most and i've seen probably eight or nine times in my life i still learned a new thing about it by watching it with a different intent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, different, different lens in the glasses. Exactly. 
So thanks, Eric. Thank you, Russ. Thank you, everyone who listens to The Liberal Soul. If you like The Liberal Soul, you can find it on Facebook. There's a Facebook group as well as uh, I have a Twitter, which I am only marginally getting better at. I don't think I've gotten exactly better, but I've followed more other people on Twitter, which I think is something you have to do on that platform. So improvement. (laughs) You can send me an email, theliberalsoul87 at gmail.com. Uh, is there any emails or social media shit you guys use for any bike related stuff? I think I'm Russ Fountain on Instagram. Okay. Fountain, just like Fountain. Just like Fountain? Just like Fountain. Well, I've got an Instagram, but I can't even, I couldn't even tell you exactly what the handle it on it is. It's like a, a bunch of bad words. <laughs> that don't have any vowels and it's like i can't remember how many k's and s's and so i couldn't tell you what it is but <laughs> something like that if you just look for the guy on the bike going really fast yeah okay F K S. I don't know well we'll find that i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to the liberal soul on apple Podcasts, i'd really appreciate a rating and a review that's a good way to help new people find the show and if you like it uh tell your friends because word of mouth is really great So once again, thank you, Russ. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, everyone out there in listener land. You found the liberal soul.